1: I don't know about you, Michael, I've been spending a bunch of time today watching and trying to process uh, these Senate hearings into the FBI mishandling of the Larry Nassar uh, abuse of over 150, I believe is the number, uh, United States gymnasts, um, but I don't want to start there, man. It's been an emotional day, All right. emotional testimony. Yeah. I don't want to start there. I need I need to be uplifted. I need to be uplifted. Okay. So I need for you, Michael, to tell me mm-hmm. about the special day in the Holly household. I want to know how Prince huh? Ava woke up this morning.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I want to know. I I, I need to hear. <laughs> I need to hear a different type of testimonial. Uh, I need to hear about how Ava completed the Holly family uh, as she turns nine years old today. So the floor is yours, my friend. Like, warm our hearts, please. We, we need it on a day like today.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, hear what you, I hear what you're saying. We absolutely do. And, Mike, I just can't believe it. <laughs> it's not like she's 19 or 29. She's nine years old. But uh, I'm going to show you some pictures in a second. And one of my favorite pictures uh, uh, was of us walking, just simply walking down the street. Uh, she was four years old. And she liked to hang uh, after preschool. So I remember that like yesterday. It wasn't yesterday. It was five years ago. It's gone very quickly. And so now she's nine. But I just think about it. You said it, Mike. Completing the Holly family. She actually did complete the Holly family. And when you say that to the kids, I don't know if you were like this as a kid. I certainly was. I was convinced that there was a favorite child. You try to tell your kids, no, 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 no. There's no favorite. I love you all the same. They're like, oh, well, yeah, but you let him do this. You let her do that. Uh, Why couldn't I do that? I was the same way. As a matter of fact, I remember telling my mother, say, Mom, in a moment of confidence, I said, Mom, just between us, you can tell me. I ain't going to hold it against you. I'm not really I'm I'm like you you pick me up from somewhere. I'm not really your child. I mean, I'm not really your child. I know (laughs) I'm not the favorite. You say I'm the youngest, but come on, come on. You can tell me the truth. And what I'm getting at is it's just this, for lack of a better word, it's a puzzle. It's this puzzle. It's this family portrait that comes together and you don't really understand what it means until it's complete. So, and there's that first picture right there. So just walking down the street, four years old, me and my daughter, man. I was the happiest one in the world. I was the happiest person in the world. And I think she was too at that moment. It was just a, a great moment for us. Uh, and this is uh, this is like a couple weeks ago. Just, uh, hey daddy, let's take a selfie. So we took a selfie there. <laughs> and she's a woman of God. She's a young woman of God. So this is her uh, in church praying after her, I believe, her first communion. Uh, anyway, man, like when I just think about the family, you know, when Robinson. Robinson came first, and I just remember I, I have a moment with each of them. So when Robinson came first, the first time I held him, looked at him, I said, "Okay, I'm grown up now. <laughs> I'm grown up. Everything I've done in the past, anything I've done, positive or negative, is used to encourage and guide this young man. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me strength." Uh, give me understanding to deal with this. So that was my moment with Robinson. My moment with Beckham actually involved Robinson because when Robinson met Beckham for the first time and I'm holding Beckham and I'm saying, Hey, this is your brother. He had so much love for Beckham. He said, give him to mommy, give him to mommy. Cause I'm not sure that you, I don't know if I trust you holding him, give him to mommy. So like, Robinson needed Beckham and Beckham and Robinson needed Ava. And so when Ava, Ava came, it was just, now we can understand what this whole family was and just their personalities complement each other. They're very close. They have their own club. Uh, their club is called BAR, it's an acronym for their names. Uh, they have a president of BAR, that would be Beckham. He made himself uh, president, but Ava is the conscience of Barr. She is the, the, the front facing person of bar who just keeps it all together. They, a lot of them, they, they kind of work behind the scenes, but she's the person who just has that uh, that element that brings it all together. And I've told you this story before, but it it, it, it it couldn't be truer. It couldn't be truer today. I didn't even know what I was saying at the time. When Ava was born, they were all born on Saturday. All three of the kids, born on Saturday. Boys were born on Saturday mornings, wee hours on Saturday mornings. Ava was born at three o'clock in the afternoon, on a Saturday. So it was a normal day. You know what it's like, Mike. When the kids are born at like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, you're not even sure what day it is. You don't remember when you came into the hospital, everything kinda runs together. There are doctors and nurses coming in. You're tired. You're just, just loopy. But not on that day. That day it was so calm and so vivid, even from the moment when Oni said, let's go to the hospital. I think this is the day. It was just so light. It was just so normal. It was just so joyful.
0: Hmm.
2: And after I left the hospital, I went to get us something to eat you know the area, right around Fenway Park, hospital right around Fenway. I'm going to get something to eat, and I'm just feeling different. And I called my mother, and she said, well, tell me about, you know, tell me about the baby, like, what's she like, who's she like, you know, what?" I said, Mom, all I can tell you is that she's perfect. It's just perfect. It's just yeah. perfect for our family. We all have flaws. Everybody has flaws. Everybody has their thing. But just for the Hollies, Ava Holly coming in there uh, just completed the circle. And her, one of her nicknames is Little Oni. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this. Uh, when Oni is not there to kind of tell me what I should be doing or how she feels about a situation, when Oni's not there for that, Ava, Is there doing the same thing and I just always say like how did you get like this like how do you know this how do you know to say this where does this swagger come from where does this confidence come from so that's it I mean that's really the feeling of just knowing that the family uh, the family has not been the same since uh, September fifteenth, two 2012 and I just know that I see her I see her from big picture And what she means to our family but I'm one of those fellas and I'm not ashamed to admit this I am one of those fellas who maybe needed to learn the hard way like we hear it now we hear men who say hey if you had a daughter you look at it that way and then I hear a lot of sisters say but why, why does it take having a daughter for you to see it guilty me I needed to have a daughter to become a better man, I did, and I am now. Yeah. I am now. In that moment, there's a there's a there's a clear separation. Yeah, I was all right. I was all right before. I mean, I, September 15, e- even two thousand twelve. E- even if, but I'm
1: better now. Even if you didn't need a daughter, women make us better men. Period. It's no different than right. finding favor when you find a wife. Even if you had it all figured out, there was more that you had to learn or more that you had to see that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, so I don't, I don't remember. I honestly, I can I can barely, it's all a fog. I can barely remember what life was like pre Maya, who was born a little more than a month before Ava. I, I joke all the time. You went on this, you know, nineties Cowboys run. Cause I had two and then you went and had two and then one right after my third, it was like you just like caught up real quick, you know? <laughs> you know, like like your oldest two are both younger than my oldest two. <laughs> your third is like a month or so younger than mine. Maya just turned nine uh, on July thirty first. Um, that that thing you said about about the uh, the favorite kid, I think what it is, man, especially when it comes to the baby or baby girls. Like I, obviously you go boy right. boy girl, I go girl boy girl. It's just, it's not our fault. It's that we get better at parenting by the time we get to the third one. You know, we mellow out a little bit. Stuff doesn't stress us out as much. Yeah. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We know how to react. We, the game has slowed down for us. So it's like, if that was me, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't have done it that way with you. I figured out how to handle right. it. I, I figured out how to, like, right. you know, pace myself. I'm picking my battles. This is a hill I'm not dying on. You know, like, I'm, I'm different now. I have <laughs> mellowed out. So the baby is the beneficiary right. <laughs> of experience more than anything. On the flip side, there's a lot of resentment in my house toward me and toward Maya because she's yet to hear me tell her no. So I don't know, uh, you know, you mentioned she's a mini Oni and she's the boss when Oni ain't around. Like,
2: or, or, I, I or imagine that our older brother's baby
1: her and protect her. And
2: sometimes that when she is there, right. That right, too. Right. But, it,
1: but do you just like, do you spoil her so much until your wife gets envious, because that's how it is with me and Maya. Like, I have to, like, almost be like, hey, there's enough for me to go around you two. Like, no need to fight over me, ladies, because it's like, so Maya, at nine, I, you know, she still likes to crawl into bed with us at night, some nights. Sarah can't stand it, never could. I'm like, hey, they're only this age once. As long as they ain't interrupting... Yeah long as we ain't doing nothing, if, you know, or if, if you know, or maybe I'll pick her up and put her in her room and we'll get to it later. You know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's okay. She's not intruding right now. It's okay. You All know, right, like, right. just let her fall asleep and then I'll move her into her bedroom, you know, and then we could, you know, have our time, you know. Um, by then, she's falling asleep anyway, so it's been ruined. But point being, it's like, I just can never tell a child no. So And she knows the perfect voice. So does Ava have that hold on you as well where she just, Can manipulate you like nobody else, including your wife.
2: Let me tell you something. It's even it's even better or worse, depending on your interpretation. This is what it's like. The boys, you know, like you know, kids sometimes play parents off of one another. Hey, mom's gonna say no to this, so I'm gonna ask dad. I'm just gonna very slyly ask dad if I can do it, and you're like, oh yeah, cool knowing that mom doesn't know anything about it and okay, here we go. No, 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 no. The boys understand that Ava sometimes gets special treatment. So the boys will of ask course. Ava to ask us stuff, <laughs> knowing that maybe they won't get a yes. Oh, yeah. But if they send, oh, yeah. if they send Ava now, oh, yeah, Ava, Hey Ava, Ava, can we do weapon. this? Can we do oh, that? of course. Ava, ask, oh, this, ask yeah. for this for dinner. Hey, let's say, yes. Ava, say you I, want to take a but, road trip here. I can here, see through it, though. And they're giving her very, yeah, they're giving a very specific though. I'm like, you don't really want that. <laughs> right. Like, you don't, you, <laughs>
1: right. Wait, that's not, that doesn't sound like something you would ask for. Like, who sent you in here? Did Savannah send you in here? So I asked you over text earlier. Hey. I said to you, I imagine that you're, you're feeling a, a combination of thankfulness uh, and gratitude yeah. and sadness. How, how much of it? Because I know every time I look at my kids, I get, I'm happy and I'm sad. Sad because time is, is slipping away because, as they say, the days are, are long but the years are short. Um, you know, I, Mason just came home from school. Mason, damn near looking me in my eye. Savannah is looking me in my eye, and it is really hard to chastise and lecture a young woman who's looking you in the eye. Take it from me. Oh, and brother, wait till, wait till you're having conversations about what, about what they're wearing and where they're going. So, I still right. ain't seen you like Shang-Chi yet. You you leave it. You know, you you know in the house, you leave it. <laughs> you like, you leaving a house look, like, that?
2: like that. Wait.
1: Yeah, right. I, I mean, I just I, we had I had to have the dress for the job you want not the one you have conversation with Savannah the other day because she walked out going on her first day of school at a rather expensive school. I might add looking like she going to the club. I'm like, look, I don't I'm not going to look, I, I am as progressive and as liberal as a parent can be, especially coming from the age that I came from, okay, and, and the household I came up with. So you get away with a lot that, you know, old school people would not let you. I, I'm right, not telling right. you what you cannot wear, Teach. but you ain't wearing at school. Right. I'm like, you ain't wearing at the school. Right. You, like, that's not what you wearing to that school. But that's so, but it was the other night, it was so funny. Uh, she went to, to see Shang-Chi with her friends. I'm dropping off at the movies, bro. That's what I'm saying. Hold tight to Ava, hold tight to all these children, because again, I'm going through stuff that you haven't gone through yet. I got 15, 13. You got 12,
2: 11, 9, correct? Is that right? Well, well, officially, officially 12, almost 13, Officially. almost 13, almost 11, almost yeah. Almost and 9, 13, 11, 9.
1: Pretty yeah, much. so I mean, all right, so, but it's like the, the stuff that I'm dealing with, you, you ain't got it yet. Like, so, hey, can I go to see Shang-Chi with my friends? Like, yeah, you can go see Shang-Chi with your friends. Hey, I want to see Shang-Chi. How about, I go, and I just sit in the theater, like, you know, like, in the back, or I'll even go to another screen, and, and then, so that way, since I gotta come pick you up anyway, like, I'm already there, no, dad, you're embarrassing be me. right there. Like, how am I embarrassing you? Like, are you, I'm not gonna say anything right. to him, can I say hi? Like, no, you're gonna embarrass me. I'm like, so wait a minute, do you want people to think you don't have parents, that you just got here <laughs> immaculately? Like, you have parents, and I'm dropping you off, like, why can't I go... To the why? Why, for I can't go to the movies. It's a public place, but everything is embarrassing. <laughs> right, right. Everything is embarrassing. You can't speak to them in public. The nine-year-old, and the reason why I'm I'm so close to her is because she's the only one that will let be me get close. Right the other ones don't want nothing to do with me no more. I can't go to no games. I can't. They, they want me to we drop them off at the corner so they could walk down the street as if they got there on their own. I can't look. at It's just I, I got. They got boundaries. I'm having conversations about what we, I can and can't do with my children. I'm like, do you know hey, now we that not that long ago, man. I'd have smacked the piss out you, but I guess it's 2021. So I got to refrain. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to. It's, this is Ava's day. I'm sorry. I, I've been, I've been meaning to let that out for a, time a
2: while. It's a timeout. No, no, it's good. <laughs> hey, take, take, it's a timeout generation. The take the floor back. It's a timeout generation. You can't, you can't say that anymore. You know, they, like, they don't know. They don't know what, what we went through and what we went through was probably crazy too. Not probably was crazy. You know, Anytime somebody says to you, go get the, you know, fill in the blank, you're like, oh, Cole, here we go. <laughs> go get the switch. <laughs> go get the belt. Go the, or they don't right. say anything. They just kind of sneak you. So that ain't right either. Yeah. Uh, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere there's balance. Somewhere there's moderation, as you say. Everything in moderation, even. Including moderation. Yeah. Including moderation. But I would say this. We're not there with the nine-year-old. Who is who is embarrassed? Not not embarrassed by dad yet, but I gotta tell you, that seventh grader. I don't think I'm embarrassed. Man, we went to orientation. We went to orientation, and so I'm trying to, you know, give him some last minute instructions before he goes into the school. All the kids. I knew it was a little controversial. My move, you know, right before uh, the kids, right before the kids went into the school. They're all lined up there. Can you still hear me by the way? I froze there for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that freeze? Yeah, okay. I had the all same right. freeze yeah. just
1: now. I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. All right,
2: good. Yeah, good. So, kids uh kids are lined up outside the school, 7th grade. I knew. All right. Maybe he might think it's a little strange. But I just wanted to go over and give him one more word of encouragement and, "Hey, it's all right. You know, you ain't supposed to know everything yeah. at the first day of 7th grade on And I get this uh, little, this looking straight ahead, like, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Keep it moving. Yeah. uh, Keep it moving. Yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Don't don't talk to me. But the nine-year-old, sadness, it's not sadness. But you know what I find myself doing as she she Mm. went from, I remember, day one to the first birthday party, which you and and Sarah were at, the first birthday party slash uh, dedication. I remember that, like, yesterday and in that picture when she was 4 and then a bouncy house in the backyard all these things i don't find myself sad that those days are going away i just find myself looking at a lot of pictures like if i have mm-hmm. 10 minutes nothing to do i'll just go back and look at some pictures from like 2 or 3 years ago yeah. and just smile cuz as you said mike these these moments are fleeting and we should enjoy we should enjoy it I you all out there enjoy, enjoy every moment. And, I, and I'll tell you what I even do when it comes to uh, when it comes to like that coming in and coming into our bedroom, she doesn't do it too often,
0: but every now yeah. and then
2: I hear, hear a knock at the door and she inside the door I, it, on my side of the bed is by the door. So I hear it first. I hear yeah. the door as it should be. Yes, Ava, daddy. I had a nightmare and I'm looking, I'm groggy and she's just looking at me like, okay, so go ahead and say it. I'm like, yeah, you have a nightmare. Hey, you know, you want daddy to walk you back to your room? No, no, I'm going to sleep with you guys. I said, okay, come on in. And it's a, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah. thing in that moment. But let me tell you. Yeah. She is the worst. To sleep with, okay. She kicks arms, she kicks
1: right elbows. Hey, oh. shout out, shout out to Aaron oh. Rodgers. See, Aaron Rodgers, as far as we know, ain't got no kids. See, the rest of us used to get kicked in the nuts all the time. Happens every night, you know. <laughs> it's like it, it, it happens all the time, you know. Like I'm it, totally. It's, and, then I, and then she takes me. I gotta go. I sleep in her room probably like half the time. I, was, I sleep in my bedroom half the time, and her room another half of the time. But it's like I'm sorry, I am not going to. Waste those moments because I got a 15-year-old who I can't sleep with who barely wants me anywhere near her, okay, who acts like she lives in an apartment. I'm like, you paying rent this month? You know what I'm saying? Like, but she, acts like she acts like her room is an apartment in my house, okay? Last right. night, Mason is like, you know, why are you looking at my phone? I'm like, your phone? Like, you pay for this mom? Like, like what, I, mean, I, Mason, I, I ain't right, right, no right. phone bill in your name. Like, what I, get, right. I
2: miss? Hey, listen, listen, that's part of the agreement. I can take the phone at any time, I, yeah, yes. look at it. don't be a hey,
3: no, we, we have don't don't delete.
2: I'm just I'm loaning no, you. No deleting. Yes, right. I'm like
1: you, I'm like you don't own what? anything. I'm loaning you everything you have. But but I'm saying, like, you talk about looking at pictures. I know we gotta go to break, so you can roll the music, Gary. Um, I I look at I take I just look at moments. Like if if, if my is on the swings in the backyard, I'll just stop I'll make it a point just to stop and just like stop what I'm doing and just look. Yeah. Because I'm like, like, look how tall, look how grown. They speaking different, especially at nine. They start speaking different, and I'm just like trying to make sure I burn that image. Same as they told us when our wives are walking down the aisle. Like, burn that image in your head. It's like I try to burn these images in my head of all of my kids. Like, yo, like, dude, dude's 13. You know, talking to him about girls and whatnot. This she 15. Got a social Saturday night, by the way. A social Saturday night, dog. Savannah. Oh, really. Like her school, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm a so yeah, look, look. look Re- Reggie had better not come to my front door. Reg- Reggie hey. had better not come to my hey. front door because I'm gonna need you to come and we gonna have to do the Mike Lowry, Marcus Burnett. You look thirty, you know. That's maybe, a, that maybe, type of thing. Maybe what we do, we gotta do one of those. Maybe
2: what we do. How about I come down? This is on this weekend. This is on Saturday. Yeah. Maybe I come down on Saturday, come down on Saturday, and we just happen to take a ride together same time as the social. And we and who knows? We may wind no, up there. You're, oh, you're what, are here? You're,
1: you're, you're, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You're embarrassing here? me, Dad. You're
2: embarrassing me. We just I happen to be in the neighborhood.
1: You, Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Uncle Abel. Michael's here. God bless you, princess. Congratulations to the Hollies. Um, we'll talk about... Uh, Current events and culture and sports and whatnot as usual. But I, I needed to I needed to talk about Ava, man, because a lot of people's daughters are still suffering as we talked about the Larry Nassar thing. We'll get to that later on. But she is so pretty, yeah, and she's growing up so fast, man. Definitely, look she looked like a mama. She got a little bit of you in it. She it. Look like little Oni. All right, we'll be back.
2: Little Oni.
0: there's a lot of rookies playing. It's pretty
4: amazing. I, I don't remember this many young rookie players, even watching yesterday, when I think of
1: even the second year guys to Herbert Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, fields played a little bit. Trey Lance played a little bit. Zach Wilson's playing. Mac Jones is playing. That's a lot of young quarterbacks. So um, kind of gone
4: are the days of Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning. You know, those are the guys that I'm used to hearing. And now I'm watching yesterday and I'm seeing all these young guys. So, you know, that's just the way it goes. You know,
1: I'll be forgotten here soon enough. I'll move on and they'll be on to someone else, but that's just the way football goes as, as does life.
2: You know, you know, Mike, uh, Tom Brady, you, we played a clip, was that last week or a couple of weeks ago where he talked about just the, the elements, the technique of playing football and some of the things that he thinks about and how he won't throw certain passes in the neighborhood of defensive players, because if something was talking about how the the rules have
1: the the rules have let offensive players off the hook. You don't have to be as precise because the rules are protecting offensive players more than when he first came. in.
2: He said not the defensive players fault. That's really the quarterback's fault for for putting that player in that position and the defense is uh, getting penalized, but it really is bad offensive football. But there are a couple of things here. One, I just like that Tom Brady is sharing his opinion about stuff. You know, you remember, Mike? Uh, I don't know when it was for you. When when you first learned to cuss? You first learned to cuss, and Shit.
1: you felt
4: like you could do it. I don't
1: it? know. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, probably it was
4: three. You, you, know, you know what kind four, of house I came
1: up in? I mean, look, it was early. It was early. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. It was early. I'm
2: saying, but certain kids, okay, certain kids like me, that was very funny, and you didn't do that on purpose. I mean, look who you're talking
1: to. You know me me better than that. (laughs) When? I know. I don't know. As long as I can remember.
2: (laughs) But for people like me, for people like me, it took a while where you learned this new language, and then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, you just want to use it all the time. You want to use it all the I learned time. from Lisa. I yeah. learned from I look, I, look you talk about I learned well, Lisa from my
1: parents Lisa. Had it. Me I
2: mean, Lisa could Lisa Ooh, can Lord spin it. Mercy. She she could you think she, I got Can a she do talk. it in a creative way. Did she put some stuff together that you yeah. never really heard before? This is original.
1: Yeah, she was a stand-up so, comedian. But Tom Brady that you never heard of. But but continue. I digress. Continue.
2: No. But no, but that's the point though. Really? That is the point. It's a new language that some people haven't spoken it. When they first start speaking, they just can't stop. And that's who Tom Brady is in 2000. Well, since 2000, since March 17th, 2020, when he left New England and went to Tampa, you can't shut him up. He was under the thumb of the Patriots for many years. Now I know he had Tom versus time. When he was with New England, he started to uh, flourish before he left New England. But as soon as he left, man, my man was doing, my man's been doing Howard Stern. Uh, he's not just been talking in the media, he's been talking for real, for real. He went on the shop, he's dropping MFs, he's talking about the quarterback position, he's doing social media better than he's ever uh, done it before. So I just like this Tom Brady who's giving us the real Tom Brady. I like that aspect of it. But more than that, I think he's saying some stuff. He's saying some stuff that we need to hear. Now, he stopped just short of of giving us his opinion on whether these young quarterbacks in the game are good for the game or he misses the old days. But I'm going to take what he said, run with it a little bit and say, I think it's actually good for the game because I I think we'll, we'll never find ourselves in a position again where we say where are all the quarterbacks i think we're about to have supply and demand i think we're about to have more supply than demand at the quarterback position because it's trickling down to college and high school let me ask you this i i don't even know i don't even know what kind of offense y'all ran at, at mcdonough 35 uh in the 1990s so maybe by the 90s You have some spread offenses in high school, but I'm telling you my high school was not great. But even the best teams in our league, man, you we might be lucky if they threw if they slung it 15 times a game. That was a lot. Quarterback wasn't throwing around like that in the late eighties, early nineties. Now, if you don't throw the ball, you can't win We We don't have any more old school, Nebraska Offenses. We gonna have Oklahoma and Barry Switzer and Jamel Holiday, uh, Holloway and all that stuff. We're not rolling like that anymore. If you're going to be a championship team, you better put it up in the air thirty, forty, sometimes fifty times a game. So, I'm, uh, two two things. Tom Brady, keep on talking. Two, Tom Brady, you talking about the quarterback position? It's in good hands. Probably the best, the best position, the best position that the position uh, has been in. In, in probably twenty twenty five years, I remember telling you a while
1: back that we were in a golden age of quarterbacks, especially in the AFC in particular, young quarterbacks. And telling you that um, it's, this it's going to be pretty, it's pretty crowded, it's pretty tight. Uh, I don't know if I use the supply and demand terminology, uh, but that these jobs are at more of a premium because. Teams seem set, but let me emphasize the seam part because the more I think about it, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know that the supply is going to exceed the demand. I think the supply and the, and the continuing influx of, of young quarterbacks who are being trained and tutored and mentor help our man, Quincy Avery, uh, from QB takeover who comes on, uh, once in a while on brother from another comes to mind, like the business of quarterbacking is booming so much to where I don't think this, the supply is going to exceed the demand. I think you got to work that much harder to hold your spot, or you'll be replaced almost in an instant. I mean, I think I think there's going to be several classes of quarterbacks. Like there's going to be the quarterbacks. Like everybody's going to end up being a journeyman. Everybody's going to end up being a journeyman. Like I think what what, what is dead is a day of a quarterback having a job for a decade or more. That's one. That's one. That's one, that's one uh, position that, that, that won't exist. The other one is, remember the days where a quarterback's contract would tie the organization to that quarterback for better or worse. You know, and it's nothing to do with that quarterback. I mean, you sign him, you got him. I mean, look, man, we saw Carson Wentz get moved. Uh, we saw Jared Goff get moved. That's the number one and number two picks of their draft. Um, we saw Sam Darnold not even make it through his rookie contract after the Jets traded up to number three overall to get him. I think there are just so many talented young quarterbacks until you don't have to spend any more time than necessary evaluating them. I mean, Charles Robinson wrote about it on Yahoo, and you asked Thomas Dimitrov about it yesterday, I believe, about teams not necessarily being in a hurry. I mean, we we figure Mayfield and, and Jackson will get their contracts, but teams learning their lesson about signing these quarterbacks to these mammoth contracts, and these contracts are growing. This average per year is growing. Uh, signing them too early before you have enough information and just waiting before you decide, okay, now we want to invest you know, millions of dollars. Now we want to make them the highest paid quarterback ever. But there, but I, I think it's really, these guys are going to have, it's, nothing's going to be given to them anymore because before you know it, somebody else that's just as capable is coming in from college on a rookie contract and a team is gonna right. look at it and say, "Hey, I could continue to spend, sink a bunch of money into a quarterback that ain't getting me there, or I can go with this young guy that can get the job just get the job done just as well, if not better. That may be more dynamic athletically. Or, you know, what we're just blowing the whole thing up. We're just we're, you know, we're switching administrations or we're switching." Um, uh, organizations or what fast, have you too. and a new GM and a new head coach they just want they just want a, 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 they want their own quarterback they want their own guys so I don't think it's a supply exceeding demand I think it's just like you snooze you lose type situation and you don't have as long a leash uh, it goes both ways the veterans don't have as long a leash as they once did and the young guys is not as much patience to watch them take
2: that's two see.
1: three four years to develop I think that's that's the day
5: and age we're and I think
2: in right now. And I think I think that's to the the detriment of the league right now, but I think that's going to change too. Here's my no prediction. Question. You know what the you know what the next move is? It's like if, if we were let's say it, we have the brother from another uh, uh, gui- we're we're guidance counselors. We're guidance counselors for NFL prospects I'm talking about front office prospects coaching prospects They come to brother from another and they say okay, which which path should I take so in the 1970s? You know what path we tell them to take? Hey, listen, the team of the generation is the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are they built on defense? Hey, make sure you are a a defensive-minded coach because that's going to get you paid, or maybe you become uh, a a scout with with expertise on the defensive line and linebackers because that's going to get you paid. Today, I would say look at the quarterback, the real quarterback whisperer, OG, not, not Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's head coach. Truly, the quarterback whisperer, Bruce Arians. Look at Bruce Arians. Look at Clyde Christensen. Look at Sean Payton. To a degree, I'm saying it, okay? Look at Kyle Shanahan. Um, Look at Josh McDaniels. I would say those guys are going to be worth their weight in gold because with all of these quarterbacks coming in, with some type of sophistication, I know it's not the NFL. The best college offense still is not as sophisticated as the average NFL offense, but they're slinging it more in college than they did before. No more three yards in a cloud of dust. They're going to need talented coaches who can really work with these guys and and not work with them well over five years, but getting them up to speed in record time. I, I, um, so that's going to happen. You going to see a lot of those guys. Here's the other thing real quick. Other thing. Josh McDaniels has done exactly that with Mac Jones where he's fast-tracked him. And so that could be good for Mac if it works. And it could be Josh McDaniels last year in New England if it works because that will vault him to a head coaching position. So I think it's just fascinating what we see at quarterback in 2021.
1: Um, Aaron Rodgers had some fascinating stuff to say uh, yesterday, Um, depending on how you want to, characterize it how you want to analyze it which we will do later on we're going to take another break um, and we got uh, a newbie to brother from another Mr. Jared Quay Campbell from Yahoo Sports is going to join us i right. are really looking forward to talking to this brother got a fascinating story fascinating road to media um, and uh, yeah we're going to chop it up with him on the other side we're going to, we're going to introduce somebody else to this here party everybody's invited Tell your people. Spread the word.
2: That one was entirely due to the double nut shot I took. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped up in the pocket, I was gonna throw across my body to the just from the shallow cross. And right before I'm throwing it, I took a left kind of clothesline and somebody on the right, you know, with a right kind of cross, uh, double nut shot. You know, I guess I gotta overcome that and throw a better
0: ball in <laughs> that, was, that was a painful one. I, I do, uh, they got their money's worth on that one.
4: But first, we gotta talk COVID. Do we have to? Yes, we have to. Because the virus is still wrecking havoc in the sports world. The New Orleans Saints have reported eight positive COVID cases amongst coaches, a staffer, and one player. This is not good. This is not good. It's not, but it could actually be worse. The entire Saints coaching staff is vaccinated, and the NFL says a vaccinated person can come back to work after testing negative in two consecutive days. The Saints star receiver Michael Thomas was added to the COVID list yesterday, which sucks, but... He's already out with an ankle injury and wasn't expected to return until several weeks into the season anyways. The rush hopes everyone makes a speedy recovery, but damn, the Saints are really going through it. After they were displaced by Hurricane Ida, they're playing their home games in Florida and training in Texas. Two of the most dangerous COVID states in the nation. Maybe that's why John Wall wants to get the hell out of Houston. Yeah.
1: Oh, man, it is so good to welcome Jared Quay Campbell from Yahoo Sports. Uh, as you just saw, he hosts uh, The Rush on Yahoo, uh, The Rush with Jared Quay. Um, such a versatile dude, man. Like, just been really looking forward to meeting you and talking to you, man. It's our first time chopping it up. Um, as some of you may know, he is the brother of uh, former NFL man of the year, one of the most uh, respected, most consistent players in the NFL. That's Calais Campbell. Of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, um, but a stand-up comic, a former player yourself. I mean, what a, what a what a road you travel! But before we get into your story, man, want to get into you just came off the road. You were telling us before we came in, you were at that game the other night, that wild and crazy game we all watched from home, Raiders Ravens. Uh, I love. We talked a lot about the Raiders. I love to hear your take on Baltimore. As something of an insider with that organization, obviously Calais is still there. We know about the the situation at running back. We know about Lamar Jackson going into a critical season. Uh, all the injuries they've had in general this training camp. We were talking earlier about how the Ravens always managed to be there at the end, but not a great beginning for this organization. So, what was your takeaway from a Ravens perspective for Monday night's game?
4: Oh, man, that game was hurtful. I was at the game uh, several times. I thought it was over. I was clapping hands with everybody in the the stands. And then, you know, another bad play happens. I'm like, what the hell is going on? But ultimately, I think the Ravens are going to bounce back. I mean, this next man up. Yes, injury bug has bit them. It's did it before, and they always come back. That was the Raiders' first home game in their stadium. It was electrifying, ice cues performing at halftime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got one. That's good. Luckily, there's 17 games this season, so one loss won't hurt you as much. Um, but yeah, man, let's be honest, man. The Ravens defense is going to bolt up and not let Derek Carr, or any other quarterback throw for 400 yards. Again, uh, the running game is only getting stronger in every game and Lamar Jackson is still that dude. So I'm not worried on it. Uh, obviously, uh, John Gruden, they almost blew it a couple of times, but they, that last play where they took a delayed game and then threw a Hail Mary, I don't know what they were doing, but it caught us by surprise. So I give them a kudos for that. That was a good play.
1: All right, more important. How was Vegas? If you know what I mean?
4: Man, I barely survived it, man. I'm honestly, I didn't know I was gonna be here today. I did. <laughs> oh, man, now, it, it's fun, man. Obviously, I was a uh, I was a uh, I was shooting a little thing, man, because I'm following my brother's team on his road games this year and I'm doing stand up in every place okay. they play where I roast a team. And so it's yeah, it's a little series. I'm doing on YouTube called your team sucks. I roasted the hell out of the Raiders. So uh, look for that on YouTube coming up soon. But other than that, man, I just had fun. Okay. I got on the craft table. I was cold, so I lost a little bit there. We ain't gonna talk about that much. And other than that, man, I survived it on yeah. here. It's Wednesday. I made it.
2: <laughs> hey I'm you. Jared, you gotta tell us, you gotta tell us your your most uh, your most fun moment of the last, let's say, seven minutes from the game, and your best moment or most insightful moment, whatever way you want to put it, from your stand-up in Vegas. So tell us about the game. Then give us, a little, just give us a little glimpse, give us a little taste uh, of your stand-up and what you really liked about that.
4: Oh, man, all right. So for the game, the best seven minutes of the game were in uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter, when I just knew we were going to win, man. We had the ball in our hands for one minute and 38 seconds. I don't know how we lost that game. I was ready to go home. By that time, I already had a couple of beers. And uh, my best moment of stand-up of roasting the Raiders is I had fun with it, man. Uh, I, I, I told her like it is. I said, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and except for the Raiders. I'm pretty sure they're going to lose on the road too. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, honestly, stand up is fun, man. Stand up is uh, it's the second hardest thing to football for me, man. I just love getting on stage, uh, getting that first laugh. Every nerve goes down and you just have fun talking to people, man. So if you ever get a chance to catch me on the road, please do. It'll be a fun party. Uh, I love talking sports jokes. If you're a football fan, you're gonna enjoy me.
1: And, and you didn't just play football, man. I mean, you played at the U. I see the Cardinals helmet. Uh obviously we know Calais was was with the Cardinals for a long time. Uh you undrafted in eleven, but you were on the Cardinals practice squad, if I'm not mistaken, in twenty eleven. So I mean you made it farther than ninety nine point nine percent of people who strap it up. So you weren't you didn't just play football, you played football. Where did the yeah. stand up comedy come from? Where did that calling come from, too? Right.
4: Man, all right. So with the football season, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I got cut. But now that I'm older, I like to say I retired because it gets better with the ladies and whatnot. But um, standing up stand up comedy always been a baby for me, man. I used to love writing. I wrote screenplays and they always be funny. And so people in my class like go try stand up. And I did it and I was good. And so after I got cut in 2011, I just started getting on stage while working out. So I was getting swole and getting strong on stage. And football never called me back. But stand up did. And so here we are 10 years later. Still doing stand-up. And, you know, who knows if the Ravens need me or the Cardinals or anybody. I could still probably get in shape. Give me about four, five months, and uh, I'd probably get back up there. But uh, stand-up has been my baby ever since.
1: So what's more nerve-wracking for you, playing in front of a packed stadium or, I mean, like trying to get jokes off in front of, in front of a tough crowd?
4: Woo. Talk about hostile uh, environment. Football is a team sport football. You got 10 other guys on there that everybody when they score a touchdown, you got 10 guys to be like, "Yo, it ain't just my fault. Uh, I opened up for Gary Owens in uh, Vegas like three years ago and it was like 5,000 seater. And I remember going out there like, man, this is a lot of people looking at me. And so <laughs> I would say uh, uh, stand up can be tougher, but I've been doing it long enough to have fun with it. You know, you know, 10,000 hours. I've been getting a lot of reps. So now it's not as uncomfortable. So, uh, for anyone watching this it's harder to be a football player in the NFL, but for anybody in the NFL, you don't want to be on stage by yourself. It's a, it's a tough and lonely experience.
2: So, yeah, yeah. so we, 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 we've heard from, from players, usually as quarterbacks who say stuff like this, man, I was in a zone. You say same thing in basketball. I, you know, the, the hoop was hoop was huge. I couldn't miss. I was taking threes hand in the face. What's that moment been like for, have you experienced that moment as a stand-up comedian? And do you remember where you were if you've experienced that thing where it just like, man, I'm funny. Man, I'm funny. Everybody's (laughs) laughing. I got it going tonight. I could be up here for
4: two hours. Man, uh, Stand-up's different, man. Football, you know your record. When you do good, you're like, man, we 11-0, and or we you know we we 1-11, I need to do better. You know exactly where you are. Stand-up, you can have your best set ever. You go on the road, you didn't tape it, but everybody was like, you're the funniest person I've ever seen. Let me take a picture with you, let me send this to my grandma. And then the next day, you just wake up and it's like, all right, <laughs> next week, another city. And so the, the highs of it don't echo as long, you know? But I will say that stand-up is a fight. Every time you get on stage, you don't know how it's going to go. You you hope it's going to go well. It's a fight. But I've been in the zone several times, man, uh, where just everything you say, they laughing at the setup. You know, I ain't even got to the joke yet, and they already cracking up. I know I got them in my pocket. I wouldn't say I'm like Peyton Manning on the field with it, but I'm definitely like, um, I'm definitely like uh, Carson Wentz, you know, 2017. That's where I was. at.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, a couple of things, man, and and and, and uh, reading up about you and and getting uh, getting familiar with you. One, gotta connect you with uh, with our social media uh, producer, Brandon Newman, another football player turned stand up comedian. So you guys, y'all should talk, okay? Y'all should build, okay? Uh, meanwhile, my man Michael Holly here is a, 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 a I'm not gonna say an avid gambler, but he pays attention to the lines. I know that's also your your lane as well. Like I, I see, I see like yeah. you you really hit on, on, the, on, the, on this betting movement that we got going on around professional football. Now that it's out in the open. Now that we've all, you know, openly embraced betting on uh, on football games. So I would love to know as you look ahead to week two, uh, who are some of the best bets on, on, on the top of your mind that you're like, Hey, uh, watch out for this. If you want to make some money, I'm trying to help you out here. Michael Holly.
4: There we go, man. My Thank goal you. is not, that's it. I'm listening. not to make Not to make people, a bunch of money just to help you not lose money on bad bets. That's what I I like to save people. I'm a hero that saves your wallet, not necessarily gives you a big increase. Uh, One of the bets I like the most this week is the Denver Broncos versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars got a lot of new stuff going on between a new coach coming to the NFL for the first time in a long time. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is still adjusting. Uh, they got beat by the, embarrassed by the Texans. And now they play the Broncos, who, in my opinion, is a way better team than the Texans. I've always thought they were good. Uh, you add the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade from for them, than Drew Locke. I think they should go out there and handle business. I think Trevor Lawrence still has to learn the curves. And so I, I don't think this game will be close. So if you're looking for one pick for me, I like the Broncos minus six over the Jaguars. And I do like the Jaguars. They'll be good in maybe seven weeks, maybe next year. But uh, this week two game, at home, they're going to get embarrassed. You know,
2: Jared. Now, Michael Smith exaggerates, man, like, you know, I, I mess around with gambling every now and then, but I mean now, but now since I got you here, I've been just wondering um, who you got winning the Super Bowl. I mean, just, just I'm just 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 curious. Who do you think the best right, team in the league is?
4: I, my bias pick is uh, a good how, how much are you willing
2: to how much are you willing to put on it?
4: All right, from a biased point, the Ravens, I ain't going to bet on them because that's my brother's team and I love them and I want them to win because then I'm going to be at the Super Bowl having a good time. But if I had to put my money up, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to repeat. I think uh, they people underestimate that defense. I think Devin White, Sue, Pierre Paul, they just got such a good front seven. Uh, their secondary is getting better. You got Tom Brady at the helm with, with three of the best receivers in the league. Mike, Mike Evans – uh godwin and and antonio brown each could be number ones on majority of teams in the nfl you just put that team together only thing that's going to blow it for them is themselves and i just don't think brady lets that happen so if i had to bet i would pick the buccaneers to repeat but if i was going with my heart i think the ravens pick it back up man they go on a run and they and they they get to the championship so i could be there drunk at halftime singing along with whoever's performing
2: <laughs> okay hey listen that's an honest answer now, I need, since that's an honest answer, I need you to give me an honest one here. Okay, we've been talking about college football the last couple days. USC is looking for a new head coach. That's a story program. Another story program, your school, the U. And I, and, but most of the time we're talking about late 90s, maybe 80s, early 2000s. What is it going to take to get the U back
4: to that
2: level, championship level?
4: Ooh, man. Uh, first of all, you ain't never went nowhere. All right. We just letting other team's catch up because that's what we like to do. Uh, we we recruiting, man. Honestly, Miami sells itself, man. I went on a recruiting visit to Miami and I seen that place they' are like a country club. They got a, a big lake in the middle of it. It's nice. Everybody walking around with shorts and some girls in bathing suits, tanning. It's a fun place. So anyone that goes there uh, right now, man, I just think the sec in Alabama specifically has a, just a chokehold on the recruiting process. And a lot of the Florida talent is not coming home to Miami. I think that is changing those. So you will be back, man. We ain't, we might not win a championship this year. We might not win it next year, but trust me, some point in the 2020s, we're going to win a championship and everybody's going to be throwing up their U because we revolutionized you and Venice swag. We put the turnover chain on the map and we got another championship in us, man. I, I got a feeling, man. Hopefully Derek, if not him, man, we got a, another quarterback coming in. So I think that, We'll be stronger on the offensive end, and once the defense picks back up, we'd be solid.
1: Last thing before we let you go, man, uh we see I see you behind you you got the man of the year trophy that I mentioned earlier. Uh um, yeah, what what's your best story growing up the brother of Calais Campbell? Because every time that man talks, like he's the the most distinguishable and distinguished voice in sports. I mean, I know you've heard all the jokes, all the all the Kermit the Frog or whatever jokes. About, I mean, he's just his voice—you cannot mistake it. It's incredible. But I, but it seems like a hu- just a huge presence. What's your best Clayus Campbell story for us? Go ahead and embarrass oh, got
4: him. a lot of them. All right. So just so you know, Clayus is my brother from the same. I know y'all brothers from another. And uh, Clayus is way way bigger than you. Got to you got to yeah. make
1: that distinction.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, we don't look alike though. You would never you would think we brothers from another man. That's my same mom, same dad, and. Uh, and and in and, and all honesty, uh, Calais has been a solid dude. I went to, he went to University of Miami before me. I ended up going after him. Everybody I met already loved Calais, so they made my life easier. Uh, I was undrafted in 2011. I had a couple of offers from the Raiders and uh, and um, the Dolphins, and I chose to go to the Cardinals because Calais was there. And I remember when I got cut, man, I got cut, and that was a tough situation, man, because my mom didn't know what to do because she's used to, you know, everybody making a team, and she's like, what is Calais doing that you're not doing, baby? And, and the truth of the matter is I'm like, mom, he's six but eight. The real question, what did you do when you were pregnant with him? You didn't do when you were pregnant with me. <laughs> 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 no, nah, but I remember, uh, uh, I remember Calais, man, he was always supportive. That's one thing that you're going to learn about Calais, man. That's what people say, like even like Leonard Fournette, a lot of players on the team, they come do my show on the Rush and they show me nothing but love because he's not only a bigger brother to me, he's a bigger brother to the NFL. Every player you call him, he's going to take time out. You need something, he's going to take the time. And he's always been, Mike, I'm sure, I've never I seen you at the ESPN party in 2014 with him. And Calais is going, he's been random, you can be a random fan, it has been 35 minutes with you talking football. I think that's how he lost his voice. If you look yeah. at his rookie year video, he got a solid, like a good, uh, good singing voice. And in over 14 years in NFL screaming and talking to fans and using all his words, the man got a voice as if he is 97 years old, man. I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> word, word, word man. Y'all both good people, man. It was good to get you on the show finally. Love what you're doing at Yahoo. Everybody make sure y'all check out The Rush and Mad bets with the homie Jared Quay Campbell. Um Seriously, man, and check him out on the road. Check him out on on his comedy shows as well, and on YouTube. Keep up the great work, What's man. What's next yeah, up? Admire the What's your next stop? And uh, yeah, Detroit. we'll definitely build. We'll keep building together.
4: Marguerite, Detroit. Mark uh, Marguerite, Detroit. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thank y'all, Mike, all right. so I Appreciate all right, man. y'all, man. Appreciate uh, it. we gonna be good. back on after the Ravens win the championship, too. All right, y'all. Make sure y'all save a spot for me.
1: We c- come on before got to Come start. on back before then. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>
4: All right, y'all. Take right, care. Now, I, as
3: you guys know, I can't stand in any form of distraction. Um, so I'll discuss this today with the leadership council so that we can make sure that all of our energy and uh, our, all of our energy is on our preparation for Auburn. Uh, and that's how that's how we'll handle it. I'm going I'm to talk to the leadership council today about it.
1: Uh, I just wanted to add a footnote, Michael, to a conversation that we were having yesterday um, around Clay Helton's dismissal as football coach at USC uh, and potential candidates. I think it was yesterday we were talking to Steve Weish when uh, when Adam Schechter tweeted that uh, Chiefs, according to Eric Bien-Aimé, uh would be interested in USC, one of the few college jobs yeah. he'd be interested in. Um, with the high school in LA, knows LA, uh, a hot head coaching candidate who is yet to uh, get his opportunity, as we've discussed at nauseum. Um, and so we were talking yesterday about you know whether or not it made sense for uh, Eric to wait to see if uh, an NFL opportunity presented itself versus taking a, a premier college job like USC, which, you know, you can barely distinguish, you know, when it comes to the level of prestige, not to mention compensation with some of these college jobs versus the NFL. It's not, it's not the step down it once was. So we were talking about, oh yeah, Eric Enemy, look how many times he's been passed over already. He can't afford to, to wait for the NFL to get its act together, for somebody in the NFL to finally right. do the right thing and give a, an overqualified offensive coordinator for the premier team in professional football, one of the premier teams in professional football, at least in the AFC, uh, his long overdue opportunity. Blah, 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 right? Then I was thinking, I was like, wait, we skipping a step. We skipping a big step. Does USC want him? Like, why, why, why do we presume Not- that USC is interested in our enemy? Like, this is what you like to see. Because taking you behind the curtain as a longtime NFL national insider myself, okay, yeah. taking you behind the curtain, this is what's supposed to happen. This is how the game is played, is the agent and confidants and people who are interested in pushing, in media, people who are interested in pushing Eric Bieniemy's name to the forefront of conversations about head coaching vacancy, this is what you do. You let it be known. Eric B. would be interested in this job. But that's a big if. If if that, they were interested in him. He just heard from James Franklin a second ago. Dan Patrick was saying on his show earlier today, like, oh, uh, he's hearing, according to a source, that there's mutual interest on the part of Penn State's James Franklin and USC. I'm watching, I think it was Pete Thamel and Dan Wessel um, and Pat Forty at Yahoo. Uh, They were pushing Bill O'Brien earlier today. Obviously, he's gone through that car wash, that is, I think it was phrased that is the University of Alabama, had a good head coaching run, personnel uh, mistakes aside, had a pretty good head coaching run in Houston. And obviously we know what he did at Penn State, right? right? Not to mention offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots in between. So I say all that to say, man, you know, college football ain't exactly got its act together. They haven't exactly done right when it comes to black head coaches and black administrators for that matter. So the step that we skipped yesterday was presuming that USC has sense enough to bring in the offensive coordinator for the premier offense in the NFL. Like, Bill Plaschke. we talked about it yesterday, wrote about, uh, you know, trying to get another Pete Carroll, another dynamic individual. Hire somebody who's somebody, right? Because remember when Pete Carroll was there, he had been a head coach in the NFL a, a, a failed head coach, let a lot of people tell it in both New York and New England. He preceded Bill Belichick in New right. England. It was after Bill Parcells, as you know. They bring Bill Parcells. Uh, See, they bring Pete Carroll in to L.A. Now he's a rock star, right? Who has a brighter star? Who's a bigger name in the NFL than Eric Bieniemy? And yet, I've yet to hear that mutual interest on the part of USC when it comes to Eric Bieniemy. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I'm not holding my breath that we will is my point. So that's all I want to add to that. Is like, you know, yeah. unfortunately, Eric Bienemy doesn't he should be able to just pick his job. He should have his picks of jobs. See, I love seeing that headline. Mm. Could emerge as a USC head. Could. It should could. be. Should. It should be Eric Bienemy should emerge as the leading USC right. head coaching candidate. That's my point. He should have been able to pick his NFL jobs. NFL teams should be waiting for Eric Bieniemy. college teams should be falling over themselves if Eric oh snap Eric Bieniemy is interested in us little old us at no. USC whoo man say less that's what they should be saying at SC instead the conversation is around uh, Bill O'Brien and Luke Fickle because his connection to the AD who hired him at Cincinnati I believe and you know Bob Stoops and Chris Peterson and James Franklin. Maybe it's James Franklin, but we, I'm specifically talking about Eric And I think yesterday we fell for the trap of presuming that the that, that college football, and in this case USC, was any smarter than these NFL teams when it came to Eric Bieniemy.
2: Mike, um, look at that production. Look at that production for Eric Bieniemy, uh, especially now Colorado. Not so great. Um, but with the Chiefs can't beat it can't beat it since 2013. On top of that. He's the kind of guy. I've heard his players talk about him. He's the kind of guy that gets buy in his players. Love him. And that's a big part of it. Not that your players have to love you as a head coach, but as a head coach, you've got to be able to have some kind of recruiting apparatus in place. You got to be able to get the best prospects on campus and retain them. So that's a very, that's a, that's an essential key to the job, even more than coaching, even more than the X's and O's. I think it's getting people to campus and keeping them and having relationship relationships within Los Angeles and Southern California to get that recruiting back on, uh, back on par. Because as I said, USC, it's always a whisper away from being a top program, but I'll get back to Eric Vietnemi in a second. Can we go back to James Franklin? And we talked about uh yeah, go John back there, Sawatsky yeah. a while ago. We talked about John Sawatsky and the art of the science and art of interviewing. And didn't he say something about tough sounding questions, but they're not actually tough questions. Yes. They just sound tough. Yes. Did you order right. the cold red? You know, that kind of thing. Right. James Franklin had a tough, definitive sounding interview. Man, you ain't say nothing. That clip we just showed, man, he ain't say nothing. You guys know how you you know I hate a distraction. And uh I'm gonna meet with our leadership board. H- hold on. Did you say you did I hear you say you don't want the job? Did I hear you say you're not leaving Penn so State? he said
1: something without saying no.
2: something. No. He ain't say nothing. <laughs> so so I right. based on if I'm there. If I'm, if I'm a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer or for uh, the Center, Daily Times, whatever is covering Penn State there, uh, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, oh my God, it's in the middle of nowhere. But if I'm a columnist there, hey. oh, I'm, I'm going Happy,
1: there. Don't, don't, yeah, I, got, oh, I, got, I
2: got friends that, I got friends from Happy Valley. <laughs> I, I know, Happy Valley. And, you ain't, and they visit you, you don't visit them because it's in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, I'm writing that James Franklin wants the job. I'm just going to take what I what I what I saw and what I heard and just kind of make an educated guess that he's not necessarily saying I don't want to be considered. He just kind of dances it's right. USC, That's one two, two Uh we talk about movies here a lot. You remember Spike Lee's classic movie. Do the right thing. Remember that movie. Mm-hmm. So do the right thing. I think it's
1: on Netflix again.
2: The yeah. character. Yeah. Oh, it is great. Great movie. Uh, the character bugging out, played by uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Hey, Sal! At one point, he's in. He's with black in people Sal. on the wall. <laughs> he's about to take a bite out of the pizza. Yeah. He looks around. There's <laughs> a picture of Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. There's Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He's in all. He's right. hey, hey 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 yo, Sal. How come you ain't got no brothers on the wall? Michael Jordan. Right. Okay, like why he got some Boycott brothers Sal's on the famous. wall? famous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said uh how about some african americans this is an italian american pizzeria he's like but i don't see no italian americans in here i see black people in here so I put some brothers on the wall right so that that leads to this tension so i say to usc where are the brothers like do you know i look i don't know usc football inside now but i'm just telling you as i go over my mind's eye in USC football, over the years, a lot of iconic names, John Robinson, John McKay, Pete Carroll, as you mentioned, some names that are less than iconic, you know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Ted Tolner, Paul Hackett. You see a theme? Now, why is it the USC has never had a black coach? Is there a problem here or is that a coincidence? So, you talk about Eric Bieniemy and should he wait for the NFL? Getting a job at USC might be harder than getting a job in the NFL because their history suggests to well, me. And again, it's That's very their difficult. History.
1: It's, it's And I want to know sports, college sports, college football in particular. What's that about? They they have an opportunity. I don't know. Why not? I, well, we know I mean we know what it's about, but Bottom line is they have an opportunity no, well, I, but, to potentially. Well, it. Sh- I want to be clear on something. I want to be clear on something. I don't know I'm if that's what that, it that, is. That, it's, well, it's a hell of a coincidence. The history speaks for itself. The history speaks for itself. Point being, they have an opportunity to, you know, change that history with James Franklin. I just want to be clear. Like, look, James Franklin is quite qualified. I appreciate the qualifications of of, of Bill O'Brien, you know, especially having now gone through Alabama and set in potentially if they win this year, the way others, you know, have under, under Nick Saban, wash the stench of the Houston Texans and the way things finished there off of him. I could see why Bill O'Brien is an attractive candidate with his resume resume. James Franklin won at Vanderbilt. James Franklin has won at Penn state. I could certainly see why they'd be interested in James Franklin. And there's a the black coach we're talking about that, that they could potentially hire for and make right. history. Uh, you know, when, you, when it comes to USC football, all I'm saying with Eric B enemy is yesterday we got, we were assuming that the feeling was mutual when it was like, Hey, should Eric B enemy wait until the NFL, uh, you know, get, get this, this hiring cycle, the NFL gets it right. Finally and gives him a job or should he go and take the job at USC? What well, is the job at USC available? And again, college football in general, not just USC, but college football in general has a long history of the workers and being confined. Everything about college football is white, except for the players. Whether it's the money, whether it's the administration, yeah, whether to... it's the coaches, the players is the big difference. Um, And honestly, I, I don't know. Franklin. I don't
2: know. Well, I just want to say this, uh, just to be clear, I don't know the history of USC well enough to go in there and say, hey, USC has a real problem with hiring uh, black people uh, at, to, to, be, to be the head coach, head coaching for the of the football team. I want to be very clear, because I understand, I know USC has had African-American athletic directors. I know that, but I'm talking about the head coaching spot. What is it like when you, when they hired Ted Tolner, I'm just going to bring up some of the names that are just like, uh, okay, they hired Larry Smith. Uh, when they hired Lane Kiffin, was there anybody else that was a serious candidate? Well, yeah. And if not, Let's kind of dig a little bit and figure out what's going on at USC. Here we are in 2021, and we still have an offer. So I'm
1: saying, I I hear you. All I'm saying is just, I'm not disagreeing with you, full stop. That's not just USC. Insert school, insert professional organization here, and you could ask those exact same questions. Insert league here. You could ask those exact same questions. Same stuff, different toilets. Same stuff, different day. Same song, different verse. Whether it's the NFL, as you like to say, the don't stop calling a black league, NBA, or college sports, yeah. big time college sports, that still is a conversation that has been being had and should continue to be had at universities across the country. One name you could take out of, real quick, I won't cover this. One name you could take out of the USC search is your man Urban Meyer, who put that to rest today. Here's Urban
3: Meyer. Fortunately for you, some rumors came out yesterday connecting you to the USC job. I just, just want to give you the opportunity to refute it. So can... yeah, there's no chance that uh, I'm, I'm here and committed to try to build an organization.
1: No chance, Michael. I just wanted you to hear no that. No chance. So you can stop trying to send Urban Understand. Meyer. Can you give Urban Meyer a chance to fail, please? I know you think he's going to fail, hey. but just give him a chance to fail. Okay, just give him a chance. But One game give in. him credit. Oh, my God. Like you talk about I'm gonna you know give how, him Urban is my Ben Simmons. Urban Meyer is my Ben Simmons. You know how you talked about how the Ben Simmons stuff had gone too far? Like way too far in the other direction? Like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. I get that he choked, but it's like, this is too much. That's what it is with Urban Meyer. Like, okay, maybe they don't like him right now. Maybe there's a cultural shock going on in Jacksonville. Maybe, you know, the history of college coaches is 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 sketchy at best, transitioning to the NFL. But after one game, y'all trying to put this man back in college? I'm still interested to see if he can turn this thing around. And you know what? He's won everywhere he's been. Let's 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 give him more than one game before we try to send him back to college. All right, that's just a little too premature.
2: Hey, listen, Mike. I'm going to give Urban Meyer all the credit in the world. That's a denial. That is a denial. Yes, that is very strong. That's emphatic. Now, a couple things. Now then again, one, once, once upon a time.
1: We heard Nick. I'm Saban. not gonna be the Alabama coach, so there's keep
2: that. Asking. <laughs> keep asking. Keep asking. You can keep asking. I'm not gonna be the coach of Alabama. Then it's roll tide. But I'll give <laughs> I'll give Urban credit for that. I will not give him credit for this. Um, well, you know, we decided to uh, we're gonna go with Trevor as our starter. Who, who Trevor? Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Are oh, you gonna start Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick in the draft? You gonna start him? Can I can I go to my editor? Is that the lead? You wrote my lead for me, that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks, Urban. Appreciate it. Come on.
1: Hey, happy belated birthday uh, to Nas. A belated happy birthday to Nas. Celebrated his, I think, 48th birthday yesterday. One of the greatest to ever bless the microphone. Blessed us with a, a music video yesterday starring... Oh, look at LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Oh, Michael, it's still trips wow. me out like their teammates. I don't know if that's truly sunk in for me that LeBron and Russell Westbrook are, are teammates on the Los Angeles Lakers and here living their best life in uh, in a brunch on Sunday's video. Speaking of which, I don't, have you listened to KD2, King's Disease 2, yet? I mean, that, Niles might be getting better of with age. Lowest the keys.
2: First of all, that looks fantastic. Okay.
1: Doesn't that time. About it. look like a someplace that's fun.
2: I am going to say, forget about the good time. Just the food. Look at the food there. Oh, the food? Uh, yeah. Yeah, listen to that. Yeah, listen to that. Um, this is great. I'm with you. They're still uh, processing Russell Westbrook with the Lakers. And LeBron, one of them there. We really haven't even talked about that that much. But we also haven't talked about. And we will. The look, the look that you got from Teray when you said uh, Black Thought and Andre 3000 are your top two MCs, your favorite two MCs. You you made that point, your favorite two MCs. And he looked at you and he said, it's got to be Jay and Nas. Are you surprised he put Nas at number two? Of all time? I'm not at all. Of all times? I'm,
1: I'm not at all. No, I'm not at all. Not, Nas, Nas belongs in top fives, at minimum in top five conversation, but he's, he's, he's one of How those top, top five lock guys. Top threes. I mean, if you, if you, if you want, if you want. Um, all right. But what I want to get to, though, is the guy that Russell Westbrook was traded for uh, that got him to Houston, John Wall, is now on the move. All right? So we're going to see if John yeah. Wall can be living his best life with a contender so the Rockets and Wall are going to work together. This is this is refreshing. They're going to work together um, to facilitate a trade. He's not going to play. Yeah, two years, 91.7 million. And this is my favorite part. Crazy. He's got a player option for 47.4 million dollars for 22 to 2022 2023. Safe to say he's going to what exercise that player option.
2: Yeah, what do you think yeah. he's going to do? Um, what do you think he's going to do with that? Two years,
1: $91 million dollars left. Uh, they're not going to play him. The Rockets have rebooted well and quickly. I mean, it is uh, all systems go. They are ready for takeoff in Houston. But I want to focus on John Wall, man. A, I love that they're working together. Yeah. It sounds very Matthew Stafford-esque. Um, But wondering, what do you think is the best fit for him? I got a couple of squads in mind. Love to know what you would like to see him end up. Obviously, it's tricky with that with that amount of money he's owed to make salaries match. But you know, no contract is truly untradeable.
2: Mike, this is where you're going to help me. This is where you really have to help me. I just don't see a good fit for John Wall anywhere. When people say he can help a contender, how? Oh, how I. I'm not a I just don't see John Wall going to a contender and playing a a role where okay, I don't see him coming off the bench for a contending team. I don't know how that's going to work. Doesn't have to he's never been asked. He's never been asked to do that. Okay. All right, so fine. So forget about John John Wall as as your six man uh, your John Wall as your contributor. Your 18 to 25 minutes uh, Per game guy. So now let's go, John Wall, starting point guard, 33 minutes a night, 35 minutes a night on a contender. Because we still have to talk about contenders. He doesn't make sense on these teams that are far away from winning for a number of reasons. Sometimes, no, in some sense. cases, he these makes sense teams on a contender. Have people, okay, who? Makes sense on a contender. Who? I, Milwaukee? I got oh, Brooklyn? No. Philly?
1: No, no, of course Ooh. not. No, so yes, I can't. So first I, I, of all, seriously, we, we are I talking about a guy, twenty-one points a game, seven assists, three rebounds last year. He didn't have a great shooting season, but is a capable enough right. shooter that he can help the Clippers. He can help the Clippers stay afloat while Kawhi misses time next year. They need a point guard. Okay, they still have a need for a point guard. He can help them while Kawhi is on the mend. Okay, that's and help him when he gets there. There's a trade to be made, maybe even straight up between mm. the Clippers uh, and the um, and the Rockets. That's one. But two, okay. I love it okay. for Philly. Right. Oh, I love it. I love it for really? Philly. I absolutely love it for Philly. Yes. I absolutely love it for Philly. Here's why I love it for Philly. Cuz matter of fact, let's get to this. So this is from Tom Moore. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, okay, okay. Tom Moore's a sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times. Okay, so take this for whatever it's worth, okay? NBA That's source good. that the Sixers, right. this is not surprising. Sixers are expecting Ben Simmons to play in 2021. Uh, the expectation is, I guess it means that he will. Uh, it's bumpy right now, and the team expects it to get better. Sixers don't plan on making a deal that would drop them back in the standings, and they're not getting viable offers. So Tom Moore goes on to say uh, more from this NBA source that eventually he's going to show up and the Sixers will go from there. They apparently plan to find Ben Simmons if he doesn't attend 21-22 camp, preseason, and so on. They don't want to trade for draft picks and try to convert to players. They can't get any of 5 to 10 NBA guys they like. The reason I like it for Philly is this. The ship has sailed when it comes to getting dollar for dollar or even 75 cents on the dollar for Ben Simmons, the quote-unquote all star, all defensive performer. That shit has Wall sailed. They have an untenable Is situation ben with Ben Simmons. That's not the point. Hear what I'm saying? He? I mean, hear I'm hear what I'm saying. That's I know, I not hear the you, point. But I'm going to ask They're not you.
2: getting that. It's not the point. No, he's I not. Just need to know on the ride, would, on the ride he's to that point, I want to know. Okay.
1: He's okay, not. Good, good. He's not. I just want to know. No, and that, but that's beside Perfect. the point. I would rather have Ben Simmons for all of his flaws, which are well documented. We we talked about it nauseam on this show. I would rather have Ben Simmons still if Ben Simmons' head were right and he were committed to playing with the Sixers. I would take my chance with running it back if I were Philly. But that's not a a viable option right now for a multitude of reasons, which we don't have to waste time getting into. So if you're Philly, you need to make a move. John Wall probably better compliments Joel Embiid and the rest of that cast more so than Ben Simmons does. Like, unless unless you're Daryl Moore and you say, you know what? I don't care whose feelings are hurt. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I don't care how awkward it is. Damn that. I'm not going to give away Ben Simmons for less than what I think I should get for a player who we have devalued. We made this bed, but I don't want to sleep in it. I'm going to make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers sleep in it. So you coming back and playing because you got a contract because I got a contract between me and you that you do what I say. Okay, says Dollar Bill. Maybe that's maybe that's what what Dale Moore is thinking. Aside from that, beggars can't be choosers, and you need to move Ben Simmons for everybody's benefit. And I'm you can do a, a lot worse than John Wall. You can do a lot I, I worse guess, than John I guess
2: I guess you can. You know what? You know here's the problem. Hey, the problem I, wasn't not, not. I wasn't even looking at points bet.
1: I'm like, I wasn't even looking at points bet. When I said Clippers and Sixers, I ain't even know they were the odds-on favorites. I got so you. Thank you, I Kelly. You. Thank you for
2: the support. I didn't even know that. Well. I was on top of my head. Well, Kaylee and everybody else. I'm gonna tell you this. The problem, and I'm not gonna belabor the point, the problem is very simple. I I guess I'm underrating John Wall. That's one. And I then think two, you are. I'm I'm just throwing it out here, just throwing it out here, and you help me out. I have yet to see John Wall and Cam Newton in the same place.
1: The same person. Oh my God.
2: And the same person. You, you, uh, and the same person. Are you person. throwing John Wall on your scrappy? That's it. I mean, so, oh it, like yesterday. Oh my. Yesterday God. Yesterday he was great. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Hey man, he was a good player in his time.
1: I would love to see him on a contender All-Star. where he does not does not have to be the best team, best player on the team. Excuse me. I'd love to see him on a contender. I, I just want him to go somewhere and be relevant. I don't think he's done. It can't be on to go somewhere and be relevant.
2: He can't be right. the best player on your team. He's the that's best player on your team. Your team. That's is a what I, said. Yeah,
1: but if he that's is what I just said. That's what I just said. I want him to go somewhere where he doesn't have to be the best player on the team. And I can I, I totally is, see him
2: thriving. He doesn't have to be. That's part of the story. And the other part is the team doesn't want him to be. No team wants John Wall to be the best player on the team because that team... Right. No contending team, right? That dog, so we'll
1: see. that dog don't hunt. It's tricky. It's, it'll be tricky, but I, listen, if I'm Philly, I could do worse than that. I, I could do worse than John Wall, given the situation I got right now with a guy that don't want to be there, fans don't want him there, Doc don't want him there, no matter what they say, Joel don't want him there.
3: Move on.
5: As an elite gymnast, I have had the honor to represent the United States of America in multiple international competitions, including world championships and the Olympic Games. Over the course of my gymnastics career, I have won 25 world championship medals and seven Olympic medals for Team USA. That record means so much to me, and I am proud of my representation of this nation through gymnastics. I am also a survivor of sexual abuse, and I believe without a doubt That the circumstances that led to my abuse and allowed it to continue are directly the result of the fact that the organizations created by Congress to oversee and protect me as an athlete, USA Gymnastics, and the United States Olympic and Paralympic committee Committee failed to do their jobs. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured before, during and continuing to this day in the wake of the Larry Nassar abuse to be clear sorry
2: take your time
5: to be clear i blame larry nassar and i also blame an entire system that enabled and perpetrated his abuse.
1: Uh, We gotta, can we understand, do people understand what we witnessed today? From Simone Biles, and from Michaela Maroney, and from Allie Raceman sitting at the witness table, uh, discussing, sharing, um, testifying to the trauma inflicted by Larry Nassar, Things that Simone Biles hasn't even told her mother uh, she testified to today on Capitol Hill and not just an elite gymnast, the greatest gymnast of all time. And Jason Johnson, thanks for coming through, man. Like, I think about how, as, as we as we know, uh, a system cannot fail those it was never intended to protect. Um, and our system, our culture, our society does not value women. Right. And I, I just, I'm floored, I'm flabbergasted how, but I guess I shouldn't be, because of what I just said, by how the FBI could not only turn a blind eye, but actively help to cover up Larry Nassar's abuse. Like, who's watching the Watchers? So, Jason, you know how government works. You've seen a million Capitol Hill uh, Senate judiciary hearings, right? How realistically can we expect for Larry Nassar's uh, Cold predators, co conspirators, or, or the people who aided and abetted in his abuse. How can we realistically expect them to be held accountable?
3: We can't. What, what, what did we see happen with Sandusky? I mean, everyone who I know who's associated with Penn State says that that stuff ran a lot deeper than we heard about. We heard about two names, and that was it. One thing I've always said about sexual abusers I've, I've done talks, I've done conferences. I I know people who are advocates for uh, uh, abuse victims from from pedophilia and everything else like that. They are a nest. They're like roaches. There's never just one person engaged in that behavior. There's Mm. always half a dozen people Mm. backing them up, assisting them, uh, providing the lives, also using them to get access to those young people. I don't care if it's Sandusky. I don't care if it's Jared from Subway. You know that there were other people involved. So it's not just a matter of, Not holding his co-conspirators responsible, but it's also not shining a light on the entire system that allows this to happen. And I want people to understand like how deep this is, how this connects to the Olympics, how this connects to Simone Biles not wanting to go out and necessarily compete this year and having a lot Mm -hmm. of mental difficulty with it because she had been holding this nonsense together. Nasser wasn't just a regular doctor, he was one of the most important doctors in one of the most important aspects of the American Olympics. This would be like Michael Jordan coming forward in a teary-eyed press conference to say that the trainer that Phil Jackson assigned him to sexually molested him. Yeah, that's how bad yeah. this is. And that's how people need to see it. Yeah.
2: You know what you just you just uh, you just spoke to a point that I, I don't think we can say uh, often enough or loudly enough. I think it's an excellent point. We go back anybody who was critical of Simone Biles during the Olympics. Think about some of the commentary you heard there. Think about what she said today. Doesn't it all make sense? I'm going to advocate for myself because at my most vulnerable moment, at my weakest moment, nobody was there for me. This I am more important than whatever you have going on here. I I think that's uh, I think that was powerful. uh, What she did today. Did that really jump
3: out at you doc? Yeah, it it did, but it, but it, it, It always infuriated me because we talked about this on the show, guys. Like, I was thinking about this. We were all thinking about this at the Olympics. She didn't even want to compete this right. year. And imagine having to go back and perform for the very same people that abused you. I've always said in that sort of larger sense, you know, this is the, the Chris Rock joke, right? Like, uh, black people's relationship with America is like, is like that uncle who used to abuse you but pay for you to go to college. Like, we always have that conflicted relationship with yeah. this country. This is specific. Right? She was competing to bring honor, prestige, and money to American Olympics that had left her to be abused and molested. I can't imagine the kind right. of mental fortitude that it takes to do that.
1: Well, well, not just that. I mean, you're talking about somebody, this this is the most accomplished and decorated gymnast in history who achieved those things and accumulated all those medals while being abused. She talked about how right. he was abusing her in competition. You know, he, he abused her Um, They were in Tokyo for a competition and he molested her. So she was I mean, again, I don't want I don't want to trivialize this very real experience by even connecting sports. But understand what I mean when I say this, because this is this is life and death. And this is the everyday thing, unfortunately, for so many people. But she was if she wasn't already the greatest, she was doing what she's done while being molested. Right. Right. This is they were they were doing excuse me. I don't mean to just minimize it or or just limit it to Simone Biles. They were doing it while being molested and by being failed by this system. It was just sickening and it was so powerful. This is one of the biggest sexual abuse scandals in United States history. And at the forefront of it are women who competed on behalf of the United States. This is no different than than how the United States constantly fails. Our veterans constantly fails our frontline workers. Fails law enforcement see January 6th. Same category.
3: Well, and here's the other thing: it's like the 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 level of 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 psychological pain and difficulty these people had to go through. You can't just throw it all on one guy, right? There's there's not one Jack Ruby, there's not yeah. just one person. You know there's multiple people involved, but that never seems to happen in this country. We never pull the thread on the multiple people who are involved in this. It's always, let's find the bad guy, wrap it up. It's 3.55 p.m., law and order, we got to be done, right? That's the problem. And and, and what you're going to have happen is, yeah, Simone Biles will will, will have therapy, and and she's got everything going for her for the rest of her life. But think about the hundreds and hundreds of other young women and men who have been subjected to this kind of behavior, and they're not going to get that help and they are scarred and they are damaged yeah. and they were abused by multiple other people. Heads should roll for this, but you know what? Just like heads haven't rolled for January 6th and heads didn't roll in Penn State, right. no one else is really gonna get held accountable. That's the that's the crime Me- alone. Meanwhile,
1: it. he barely paying the money that he owes. He barely paying his bills from prison. Go ahead, that's Mike, fair. we gotta get to California
2: before we go. And I'm telling you, uh, Doc, we will continue to talk with you about this as you come on. I know this is a, a topic that w- there's a lot more news there uh, for us to really analyze. And, and to scrutinize in some cases. I'm going to ask you quickly about California. For a while, I thought Gavin Newsom was going to be out of office, but he won in a landslide over Larry Elder. Here's a story or 10 right there in that sentence I just spoke. But what stood out to you about California and that recall uh, election?
3: Well, you know what? You got two I, minutes, Doc. I'm not entirely shocked, right? Because the moment this became a race between Gavin Newsom and Larry Elder, it was done. It was finished. Or as someone tweeted, Elder abuse, right? He got beat down and he got beat down because the guy was crazy and racist and sexist and not even remotely competent. Having a gorilla throw garbage at him on Venice Beach was the least embarrassing thing that could have happened to him throughout the race. So I think, though, the most important thing for people to remember, this is not an indicator of weakness of Democrats. You can basically put together any kind of recall you want in this day as long as you have enough money.
1: Yeah, and it's so, wishful thinking so that not- would go away.
2: Yeah. So you, you said it's not a, it's not a referendum on you know twenty twenty two. So it's just yeah. pretty much Newsom versus Elder. Is that, is that what you're saying?
3: Once it became Newsom versus Elder, this is the thing I always told you. I to said this about Bernie Sanders the whole time. Donald Trump, the reason Donald Trump lost in 2020 is because it was a referendum on him. If you are in office, you always want it to be a competition between you and the other person, because you can win that battle. You can talk about what you've done. If it becomes a referendum on whether you've done a good job, it's the same thing in your dating life. It's like, hey girl, I don't want you to think about whether I'm a good boyfriend. Think about how better I am than the brothers hitting on you right now, right? If you can make that argument, (laughs) you might be better off. (laughs) If me versus versus the field, I can beat the field.
1: Hey, Jason, always a pleasure, brother. Thank you for falling through. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It.
2: Thanks,
1: Doc. All right. All right, man. Go spend the rest of the day with Ava. Uh, give her hugs oh, and sure kisses will. from her Uncle Michael, Aunt Sarah, Cousin Savannah, Mason, and Maya. Uh, enjoy her ninth birthday, man. Um, thanks for taking a break and spending it with me. We'll talk to y'all later. Y'all be good. See yeah, y'all tomorrow.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. See you.